everybody we're back yeah sorry for so, another week of technical difficulties and let's just say it wasn't my fault because i don't i don't think it was my fault <laughs> yeah although it's weird because now i'm looking at like my stream and it's like I think I want, I want to say it's like 30 seconds behind, but it's at least running and it looks smooth. I'm used to us, I'm used to us filming these at like night. At night so time, it didn't right? Matter. Daylight savings. <laughs> so, which yeah, doesn't make have, any like, sense, by the way. You said what? The um, daylight savings doesn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't. I thought, oh yeah, we voted on if we, if we should abolish it or not, but then I think that we decided to keep it. I voted yes. Yeah, I voted to abolish it, too, but that's just because I'm a rebel. It just throws me off, because, like, you know, in November, we're like, oh, no, the time changed. Now we have to get used to it, even though it's nice that we get an hour. And then, like, in the spring, it's the worst, because then, oh, it's the time changed, and we lose an hour. And, like, we've we literally just gotten used to the time change in November. I know, right? I know. Yeah, if uh, anybody's in the chat, if you guys could just let us know how the stream feels for you, just, um, I'm on as well on my tablet and it looks, and everything looks okay, but let me know if, um, let us know if things aren't working, aren't looking proper. If things aren't copacetic. Alright, I think everything works. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't think there's anything we we can do about the left side. I mean, the right side. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we can ban, like, we can we can ban people in the chat, though, and then you don't have to look at anything. Why do you want to ban our viewers? I don't want to ban your viewers. I want to ban a viewer. Singular. <laughs> because they have a problem with the right side of the screen? I don't, I don't, like... I don't see what is what what is there to disagree about. <laughs> like it's it's legitly a fair point. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. No, Sorio, you're fine. You're amazing, Sorio. But that Straker man, that Straker man beneath you. Mm mm. He gotta go. Oh, 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 stop kissing butt, Straker Man. This guy. <laughs> it's wonderful. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. It took me an hour to get ready for the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> See, this is why we don't give out compliments, because now I'm going to have to hear for, like, the next, like, ten years about how that one time we recorded the show and my friend was like, she looked wonderful, and that's why it's always true. <laughs> Thanks for the lurk, Prime. <laughs> okay. Um, do we want to try? <laughs> do we want to try to go ahead and tackle to try to tackle this recording again? The stream seems like it's working, so at least we can talk. But let's see if we can actually get this recording done. Right. Yeah, because it's already almost 7. Wow, the time really flies when you're trying to fix broken things. Know, right? So let's cross. Let's keep our fingers crossed, and hopefully we can get uh, we can get one in the can. All right. Remember what we talked about? Yes. 
Alright. Alright, recording in three, two, and one. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is an open discussion with C3 Films. My name is Chris, and this is... Cheryl. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking about the Justice League, the Snyder Cut. So if you've seen the original Justice League, then this is not the same movie. And so you will be spoiled by what we're going to be talking about. There are different plot details and there are different things that happen in this version of the film. So just because you've seen the Whedon version does not mean you know what's going to be happening in this one. So if you want to be able to enjoy this discussion more, then go ahead and watch the Snyder Cut. It is four hours. Feel free not to watch it all at once and then come back and check us out. But without further ado, let's go ahead and just jump right into it. So tell me, Cheryl, like, what were the things that you kind of like that you liked about the movie? Um, I liked that we got more information. I like the, the, I I just felt like it was almost like watching the extended version of Lord of the Rings where we got all of the deleted scenes and it was just a lot of extra goodies and, um, and I guess like now after watching it i feel like i understand a lot more what they were trying to do in the other one in the other in the joss whedon cut so i just feel like everything makes more sense now that's that's the main thing that i got out of it like i it just makes so much more sense as a whole so yeah yeah there's like there's there's parts that they that they explain like for instance how does Steppenwolf know where to look for the mother boxes at all? They actually make it known that the mother box called out to him and that's why he knows where to go to Themyscira to find it. But then it's like why did the mother box call out at all? Well, because like Superman died. So they explain that. They also explain how he finds where the mother box is in Atlantis because in the Weeding cut he just shows up to Atlantis knowing where it is. But in this version, they actually take the time to explain that he's legitimately interrogating people so that he can figure out the location. So it's like it's little things like that that just kind of add to the overall story structure of making sure that things just make sense from a storytelling perspective. I would argue like there are some things that they took out and simplified in the other version, in the Joss Whedon version, that still made sense to me like I I don't think I needed for myself to know that Steppenwolf knew where to find the boxes because of this and this and this like it's all right with me that he just knew where they were and like where to find them um and 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 that was one of the big differences that you see right away is that uh he at the beginning of the other movie he just gets them pretty much right away and then it becomes a, oh, now we have to solve this problem and prevent him from getting the last one. Which works a lot better for a shorter movie. So that, that to me, didn't bother me in the other one. And it doesn't bother me in this one either that they spent more time on it. It was just different. And much like the yeah. other comparisons that we did between versions, I really do feel like these are two very, very different movies. Yeah. And it's it's easier it's easier to compare them because they are pretty much the same movie with different ways of telling the story the same story kind of. <laughs> Cuz the story's right. a little bit different, motivations are different, um and the explanation obviously for how everything happens is also quite different. 
Yeah, and like that, the thing that you brought up about motivations, um, this, like, when you are doing a shorter movie, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you can skip over those parts like that you were talking about. Um, and at the same time, you have other movies like in The Dark Knight Rises where people will constantly ask, how did Batman get back to Gotham? You know, so there are some times when those details will bother will bother some people. So that's just going to vary from person to person. But um, as far as the motivations are concerned, this movie doesn't need to do it. Um, but they try to make motivation motivations for Steppenwolf that go beyond just, I'm just doing this because I'm a conqueror. And that's what he does in the first movie, in the original, in the Whedon cut. Steppenwolf's motivations are very much driven by the fact that he's a conqueror and he's just conquering this world for Darkseid. But in this, they take a little bit of extra time just so that you know that, yeah, he's still a conqueror, but he's not conquering this world just to give it to Darkseid. He's conquering this world because he's been cast out from his home. And by conquering this world, he can maybe eventually be accepted back into the home that he wants to go back to. So it gives him more stake in laying claim to this land. And then as the story progresses, an extra element that's added in this version that's not in the original is the in inclusion of the anti-life equation. And that exists mainly to give a reason for why Darkseid himself would become interested and invested in this world beyond just Steppenwolf wanting to take it over. Yeah, I definitely feel like this was a lot bigger. I mean, obviously it was two hours longer, but it was it was a much bigger story in general because it's not just this one movie it's the previous two movies and it's also the possible um option of having several more movies so it's kind of like marvel where like everything is kind of connected and you kind of need to have all this other information from a bunch of other movies to understand what's going on but at least they're explained in other movies this one, yes, there there are two other movies, but I think one of the, the things that kind of made this movie longer was just not having the, the backstory or having the individual film for three of the main characters yet. Because at the yep. time, there was no Aquaman movie, there was no Flash movie, there still is no Flash movie, but there will be, and um, there was no Cyborg movie. So Snyder pretty much had to give us the backstory in this movie. So in a sense, it's kind of like having several movies in one movie, and that's part of why it was so long. So I definitely appreciate that time that he took to explain the backstories for everyone, how they fit in, because that was not, not just fun to see, but it, it definitely helped a lot for character building. Right. And one of the things with Cyborg is the fact that um, Cyborg really is kind of the heart of this movie. His his story is tied directly to the mother boxes and his um, struggle with his father is tied directly to his character growth in his arc. And that is also what bookends the movie. But that was completely taken out of the original Whedon cut. And the reason it's a challenge with this movie was because if you mandate that you want a Justice League film, but you don't want to do things the way that the that the Avengers at Marvel did it, where they had these individual movies where you can get to know them, well then, you, that means you have to take some time to get to know them in the film itself. Because 
if you don't take that time, you're not going to care about these characters. And the only way that you can care is if you feel invested. And the only way you can feel invested is if we take the time to get to know them. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate Snyder's strategy here because the fact is um, people know who Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman are. And at this point, they had all gotten their own kind of introductory movies. And people are familiar with The Flash and Aquaman. So if you think about it, we actually didn't see Barry did like we didn't see Barry get struck by lightning in this movie. We didn't need to. Um, there's a Flash television show out. People are familiar with the Flash. We can say that the Flash is here. So we take the time to just show you the Flash's relationships and get a sense of who he is. But your general moviegoer might not know who Cyborg is. People who watch like animated stuff would know who Cyborg is. But the person that just goes to see the the next Batman film that comes out or just the movies and doesn't read the comic books or watch the animated things. Yeah, they're not gonna know who Cyborg is. So it actually is even more important that you take the time to establish who Cyborg is in this movie. Um, and in order to make Aqu people like Aquaman not feel out of place, you want him to try to, you want to make him feel like he has some kind of stake in the story. So you have to spend some time on him as well. So all of the things that we just were talking about is exactly why the movie becomes a four-hour movie, although realistically it probably could have been condensed to a three-and-a-half-hour movie, I feel, and still have those same elements. Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like there was... I, I, would, I almost feel like it's not a movie. This is not a movie. It's more of a miniseries or part of a series of episodics i mean like even the movie itself is separated by parts which i thought was really weird by the way <laughs> i wasn't a huge fan of that um and i can tell you more about that later but i definitely feel like the the way it is like being so long felt long partially because of how long the scenes were and i think you're right about it like it could have been three and a half hours like Lord of the Rings was three and a half hours with the extended cut, which is basically what this is. The problem though is that a lot of it could have been shaved and I think that the structure of it made it feel longer than three or four hours. So I, I, I feel like I can't call it a movie and I feel like I can't really compare it as a movie to the Whedon cut as a movie because I don't feel like it's the same medium, if that makes sense. No, yeah, no, I, I can hear that. I feel that um, I think it still does work as, like, as, a, as a movie because we have these other movies like Endgame or Infinity War, uh, specifically Endgame, which are three-hour epics, three-hour-plus epics, and they're intended to be and they're tended to be epics. And I feel like, I look at this movie like it's a part of a trilogy. It's a, it's a trilogy of uh, universe defining or universe building, building films. It wasn't intended to be kind of the Avengers type movie that the way the Avengers was, because it, it couldn't be. The Avengers had like four other movies before that to kind of, actually more than that, um, to get them to the point where they were. I think it was like six other movies before the Avengers came out. Um, but this movie didn't have that luxury. So, like, I feel that even though the movie was, like, segmented into into parts, 
I, w- I remember thinking to myself, did did it? Does it feel like I just got finished watching an episode? And I think this is going to vary for person to person, but for me, it didn't feel like I got done watching an episode. It 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 felt like I got w- done watching a scene, and then we're on to the next scene. So like, so for me, it still does work as a movie, but I just but I really don't feel like it needs to be four hours. I think it's four hours because of the fact that things are included at the end of this movie which are basically to show you what could have been. And if this movie didn't have the history that it had, that stuff wouldn't have been there. Um, it's thrown in there for fan service as a, hey, look, this is what I could have done. Uh, you're referring to the epilogue? <laughs> the epilogue, yep. Right. So if you don't count the epilogue, then it is exactly three and a half hours. Um, but to me, it still felt longer than a long movie. It, it felt really long. I mean, maybe that could have been because I had to pause it so many times throughout the the movie. And so it's, it really took me like all day to watch it. But uh, I felt like I had to pause it a lot because it was really slow. Like the pacing of it is really slow. And I think that's, it's not unusual for a Snyder film to be that slow moving. And there's a lot of slow motion in a lot of places that I didn't think it needed to be uh, so slow motion. Like they, so when when the Flash is going at fast speed, his surroundings are in slow motion. So that makes sense because he he would be like right. in regular speed, but he's in slow motion too. So it's slow motion in slow motion when he's being really really fast. And that was just like too much for me um, in in some places. But there are a lot of other things that were um, too slow for me. And I think that just kind of dragged out the film a little bit longer than it needed to be. Uh, how did you feel yeah. about the slow motion? <laughs> I, it, it, I feel that um, to me, the slow motion is the weakest part of the movie. I got the most hype when in the first 15 minutes you see Wonder Woman like break through the doors in this scene that was also in the weed-in cut of her trying to stop these like terrorists that are going to kill themselves. But there's a couple of added things in in that scene that make it cool. When you see this really like cool moment where Wonder Woman literally blocks all these bullets from a machine gun being fired at her like quickly before moving and then tripping this guy and then hitting another guy into a wall that feels cool because of the fact that it's fast and if you slow down each block it doesn't feel as powerful so that was a moment where i was happy that they didn't slow down that her her doing those particular actions because in that moment it feels good it's like feora in man of steel you don't want to slow down feora moving moving quickly because you want to really establish that the people fighting her really have no chance um so that's when I I want scenes to be quick. The the flash being slowed down, that's fine. But for instance, scenes like and then certain other moments that are meant to just kind of show like something epic happening, like that's that slowdown I can also get behind. But Arthur Curry walking uh walking down a pier at the beginning of the movie with um a, with a song that felt really out of place for me in that scene, but with all the waves crashing and him standing there, it didn't really, that did not feel necessary to me. 
that that felt like a moment where slow mo kind of worked against the film. Um, but that's like one of those. That's one of the few moments where I think it's used in a non-action set piece. But I think in general, this movie could deal with having a few less, um, a few fewer slowdown sequences. So I agree with you there. I definitely feel like well, the the whole part with Arthur Curry doing the Little Mermaid thing at the pier. <laughs> uh, that I, I felt like it wasn't even necessary to have because um, I, I feel like it didn't really add anything to the film except for show us another in another way that he's not happy um, yeah. and I didn't think that it added very much to the film the other thing um, that that really bugged me was all the slow motion with the Amazonians with the queen taking the cube mm. and it, like how it takes her 10 minutes to get out of the the temple like like i thought we were like in a i feel like i should feel like i'm in a hurry and i do feel like i'm in a hurry because you're you're moving real slow and everything's in slow motion when she's like about to leave even when she's yelling for them to seal the like temple and then it doesn't really pick up until after um Steppenwolf comes out of the water. And then, yeah, exactly. Um, that that to me, like there there are parts of the because a lot of the the shots and scenes are also in the Joss Whedon version. So there are mm -hmm. a lot of them, and and that being one of them, where I feel like Joss Whedon did it better. It's the same stuff, but I feel like he cut it better. He did have to change things and add things, and like those are probably the things that that maybe you know didn't work for most people, uh, as opposed to the Snyder version. But I feel like the editing in Joss Whedon's version is stronger than in Snyder's version. You're talking about in terms of like the action sequences, just in general for yeah action sequences, um, but everything that was in both movies scenes that were in both movies i tended to like joss whedon's version more because they were more concise so that worked for me be it there are a lot of extra stuff in the snyder version that i liked and appreciated uh, for the action scenes like yeah i i like it but uh i feel like some of them were a little too long because of the slow motion <laughs> I, th I think that's fair um this kind of reminds us of our Ghost in the Shell uh, conversation. And I feel like for me, I don't necessarily feel that some be, something being more concise necessarily always works. Because while Whedon's movie is more concise as, as a whole, the story suffers for it because the story wasn't built to be that concise. So it's kind of ha it, it kind of has to work hand in hand. And if we didn't had made his own movie, then maybe it'd be different. Um, he was working in another person's framework. But I think that that desire to make that film two hours hurts that movie overall and hurts the storytelling potential of that movie because it means that you now have a more one-dimensional villain. It means that you now have a character like Cyborg where you're almost kind of asking, well, why are you here other than the fact that you can connect with the mother boxes? So for me, while I 100% I agree with the slow-mo, but I think I, I tend to disagree when it comes to um, the, handle, the handling of the story itself. 
So I think that's why we feel so differently about these movies is because I'm kind of coming at it from the perspective where I don't really know very much about the world, the universe, the other movies because I forgot even though I watched them before like long ago but I don't remember like anything. So when I saw the Joss Whedon version of Justice League to me I was like okay I get it I got it it wasn't the greatest but like there were definitely problems with it but as a singular movie it worked for me. For this movie knowing that it's part of a universe there's things that happened before it there's things that will happen after it and having the room and time to explain everything works for me but they're two different things so I think they both work for me just in different ways and I think that is something that like I feel you know I kind of hit on it a little bit earlier that I have to make really clear is that there are two very different things that you have to look at separately. And I think yeah. it's easier for me to look at it separately because I don't remember everything and because I went into the Joss Whedon movie with a completely different perspective. And then watching the Zack Snyder version after I get all the information filled in for me where like, oh, I'm supposed to know this and oh, I'm supposed to know that. And so now it makes sense and, and I enjoyed the Snyder version because I got that extra information. But then I'm also looking at the Whedon version being like, well, I think Whedon did a good job of shaving this down. Like if, if Zack Snyder had to cut his four hour movie down to two hours, I really wonder what it would look like because he had four hours to explain all this complicated backstory. It's great. It's beautiful. It was good storytelling. I mean, I, have, I still have some problems with like the structuring of it, but having all the scenes there for me to see and to get the information was nice. It, like I felt good about the movie and, and the story. Right. Maybe just not as a four hour movie. I feel like it, it's not it's not a four hour movie it's part it's a section of part of a whole bigger thing whereas Joss Whedon's Justice League is just a movie Justice League right yeah and and I yeah that's probably one of the biggest differences and you know and it's like if you sat down and watched Avengers Endgame and then you tried to cut that movie down into two hours, I don't think it would work because it's not built that way. And also trying to watch Endgame as its own movie doesn't really work because it's not built that way. So I think that what it comes down to is what was Snyder's intention. And is I think his intention was what you just said, it was to make it as a part of a whole. And while Whedon found a way to make that movie work as a standalone movie as far as just being a Justice League movie. That's also ultimately why it does not work in the grand scheme of the story that's being told because it is meant to be a part of a greater whole the same way Endgame is meant to be a part of Infinity War, which is meant to be a part of all the 21 movies that came before it. Um, but we are at around, I'm, we've been going for a little bit now. This is a good time to check in about time. Do you want to do our own little Snyder cut of this this discussion and do this part one 
and end it here and then get ready to start our part two of our conversation because I get the feeling there's a little bit more that we ha- we wanted to say that we haven't touched on yet. I couldn't agree more. Let's let's do a let's cut it here. Let's do a part two and we can um, regroup. All right. So then we're going to do a quick ending out of here. So this is our part one to our discussion of the Snyder Cut. Have you seen it? What did you think about it? Comment below. Let us know. And while you're down there, if you could give a like, share, subscribe. Even if you don't, though, I've been Chris, and this has been... Cheryl, and we'll see you soon for part two. Okay. Cool, cool. Do you want to read people's comments and... And, uh, or do you want to <laughs> going in on the movie? <laughs> there was a lot of uh, chattering happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. New protagonists are from, from three different worlds, not even like they are all from the force or something. <laughs> oh, man. Well, but. Yeah, I have another thing I want to talk about cutting that they that they that that bugged me in the beginning of the movie, but I'm gonna save it for when we start the next segment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had barely talked about. I it was too hard for me to to just talk about what I liked because everything's kind of interwoven with. Things and that I think I that's what like. it's gonna be. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think people are just catching up in the stream. <laughs> Oh yeah, like like thirty seconds behind. We're gonna get ready to tar- stop talk about our part two during the same discussion. So if you guys are here, you're fine. And I got my Justice League shirt on, guys. I'm representing for the Justice League today. Again. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, should I wear my Superman shirt again? But I was like, oh, okay, I wore that so many times already. <laughs> And by that's so fine. many times, I mean two. <laughs> that's that's so many times in the worlds of the internet. I'm surprised that like you don't just burn your outfits after you wear them once. Right? Who who rewears <laughs> stuff? That's so not Oscars. Right. <laughs> so all right, let's go ahead and get our part two going. All right. Already ready, ready. Whoops. All right. I feel like I barely yeah. talked about what I have in my notes, but because we yeah, let's try to get into it on this one. We we talked real general. I think we can be more specific now. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is an open discussion with C Three Films. My name is Chris, and this is Cheryl. And we are talking. We are. This is our part dos segment on the Snyder Cut for Justice League. So if you haven't seen our part one, go ahead and watch that. If you haven't seen the movie, go ahead and watch that. This is going to be us going into spoilers. We were kind of like safe in our first version, in our part one, but we're gonna make sure that we're probably gonna get really in depth and really into a lot of detail going into this um, next segment. So without further ado, we're gonna just jump right into it. One of the things that I absolutely hated, um, and to be clear, I like this movie a lot. I really enjoyed this movie. 
Um, one of the things I hated was the Icelandic chicks singing at the beginning oh, of the movie gosh, after yes. Aquaman leaves. I'm literally like, what is the point of this other than to give us some type of cutting point to go to Martha Kent in the next scene? But quite literally, you can just have them start singing, you show Bruce Wayne leave, and then that's your cutting point. We don't need to linger on this group singing for an extra minute and a half because it, like, that literally felt long to me. And that one was only a minute and a half. Like, that could have gone. Mm-hmm. Like, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's not concise, and it could have been more concise, and that was definitely one of the segments that I thought Joss Whedon did better, because everything was concise, it was back-to-back, it wasn't spread out with other scenes in between, with um, Batman and Aquaman, and Aquaman and going, you know, underwater. I mean, I guess that had to be spread out a little bit, but I just felt like... It could have been a lot more concise there. And definitely did not like the singing. <laughs> not that the singing was bad. I just didn't really see the point in it. Besides them yeah, I, being like, oh, hail Aquaman. But, you know. Yeah. That's the point to try to show that they see him as like a god. And they're really like appreciative and enamored with him. But you don't need, it doesn't need to be as long as it was for us to get the point. We got the point the moment they started singing and Bruce Wayne started to leave. Like the moment Bruce Wayne leaves the scene, we can leave the scene. Um, But... The things that I did like about this movie, and we talked about this a lot with our discussions, but this whole idea of, you know, and we talked about this in school, plants and payoffs. And this movie has a lot of payoffs that I can appreciate, that it sets up throughout the entirety of the film. Um, They show when when Barry is running in the Superman ship and they show the, um, the box hit the water but then start to reverse, that's a plant for what's gonna happen later in the movie when he has to reverse time to save everybody. The, the whole thing with uh, Bruce Wayne is working on a on a ship the entire time throughout the course of the movie that he can't get to fly. The whole point is that so at the end when uh, Cyborg comes, he's the one that flicks, fixes it and gets the ship to fly. They are in Star Labs and they're working on he- superheating or they're working on a, a, a laser that's hitting a part of like the Kryptonian ship. And they say that, oh, when you do this, it reacts and it gets super hot. That's the that's the plant so that it can pay off when Silas Stone ends up using that same laser to superheat the mother box so that the Justice League can find the box once it's taken again by Steppenwolf. So all these things are story beats and story elements that are put into the film to be paid off later. And so when they are paid off, those moments for me felt good. I definitely feel like I didn't quite pick up on those because of how spread out all the information was i had i definitely had a big problem with the way things were cut uh for example we don't actually meet barry allen until one hour into the movie and that's when we get his little backstory thing i feel like um i don't understand why it took us so long to get to that scene and so i guess you could also say with the whole parts um because he kind of did like a Tarantino thing where he uses title cards to separate. I'm not sure what he's separating because they don't feel like chapters. Um, and, and I just feel like I would have wanted to meet everyone sooner than one hour. And That's fair. The other thing about The Flash is I kind of like his 
character development more in the Joss Whedon version because when we get to know him, I just feel like it's not really clear at what point he is with his skill level development because he's a young person and he's not a crime scene investigator yet. And so I, I feel like I don't know how much he knows. But in the Whedon version, he's nervous and he even tells Batman, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. And so Batman has this, like, mentorship where he's like, well, you'll know when you, you will just know what to do. And we didn't really get that in the Snyder Cut. And we didn't really get to know the the rules of changing time. So we hear about that at the very, very end. And if you're a Flash fan, you, you know about Flashpoint and how he's not supposed to change time and everything. But he does that in the Snyder version. And we don't have anyone mention the rules that he is breaking. And that also tells us that he is pretty far along in his development of skills. So I kind of miss that relationship that he had with Batman. Right. So, and I'm the opposite. I like Flash more in this movie. I found Flash annoying in Justice, in Joss Whedon's version of Justice League. And I, I would say that it's hard to have that scene with Batman and still have that scene where Flash saves Iris because the scene where Flash saves Iris shows that he's competent in his skills and that he's at least used to using them in like dire situations. And even when you see them rescuing everybody and then a piece on the island and then a piece of the debris gets blown off and then it starts falling on everybody and he's able to like catch all the pieces to save people, it shows that he knows what he's doing. So the difference is that they're two different flashes. Whedon's flash is meant to be someone that messes up and that's more new to crime fighting, which is why they even added that line of him saying, I just push people in one way. But that's not what Zack Snyder, at least from my interpretation of what I'm seeing, that's not what he means for Flash to be. He wants Flash to be um, competent at what he's doing, which is why Flash even says, when I go really fast, weird things happen with time. And that's not in the Whedon version. And, but that all, all that stuff exists to show that Flash is comfortable with being, with being a superhero. And even when he um, survives at the end, when that explosion comes and kills everybody, uh, he phases out of existence. And that's why things miss him. But I can admit that if you don't know Flash, you don't know that that's what happened. You don't know that that's what he did because you haven't seen him do that in the movie until that point and he never brings it up. So that can be very jarring. Um, I mean, but not... I do... Sorry, I just want to be clear. I, I think how how Snyder did Flash worked for how Snyder did Flash. I just missed yeah. the way the the relationship the that he had with Batman in the, the other Batman. version. And and that like he was still learning. It was just it was very weed it added to the Whedon version of it. So Yeah, for sure. Two separate things. Um But one of the things I did like about Flash is that he felt less neurotic. And therefore, his humor felt less forced. Like, Flash is still funny in this movie, but the the humor that came from Flash never annoyed me or felt grating on me. It, it, felt, it felt appropriate. And also, I like the fact that Flash has an emphasis on his intelligence, where when Cyborg is explaining the whole idea of um, 
what the mother boxes can do, it's actually flashes the first person to say, you mean from like a standpoint of matter can no longer cannot be either created nor destroyed. Like he's actually a part of the conversation and it shows that he is intelligent. So I like I like that aspect of uh Flash in this movie. Yeah. I do remember saying in the Whedon version that I didn't like how how um Flash was presented as so like it was just too much, but I, I definitely felt better about Flash in the Snyder version. I just felt like I wasn't I wasn't clear on where his skill level was. It it just didn't feel um I I just didn't feel clear on it. But after you explained to me on those little details, I think I was just missing these details because <laughs> this movie was it's so long. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember that much stuff. It, it's also worth saying that Flash is less Barry Allen and more Wally West in this interpretation of him. And that can be annoying for you as a comic book fan if you want to see a certain representation of your character. Um, the other parts of the movie that I I really enjoyed were, I enjoyed how Victor Stone has his story in this movie. I enjoy how you get to see what happens with him and his father and that relationship, how that's hard. And it caught me by surprise. I don't know why, like thinking back on it, like I didn't think that this was going to happen. But when he's listening and his father is telling him like what he can do and you're seeing the montage of it, like that's cool. It's him learning how to use his powers and that's necessary. But the moment when his father says, let me talk to you about his father and he crushes the and he crushes the recorder. I didn't think to myself that that was going to come back later. But I was very surprised and happy when it does come back later in the movie where he fixes it and then he's hearing the voice of his father after his father has died. And it felt like an appropriate punctuation mark to the film that I thought was a really nice touch. I definitely agree. I I liked having more time spent with Victor Stone and his father and I felt like having them play a bigger and more important role in this movie felt more wholesome i guess as opposed to the other movie because i felt like there wasn't enough and i and i remember i i really like victor stone the actor and his yeah, the way he, the yeah and the way he portrays cyborg in this movie i really really like him and i think he did like a really great job and like I just wanted more and I kept getting more as the movie kept going and I and I was having fun with that um the other thing that I liked having more of was Amy Adams and yes I I felt like we didn't get enough of her in the other movie where it felt a little bit like why are we seeing her again and then it takes a while for us to be like oh it's because she's the the um the, the backup plan or, you know, the the thing that's going to get Superman back to normal, which he still was. But I kind of, I don't know how I feel about the way that it, it was worked out in this version of the film. Because in the other one, it was Batman saying, like, bring in the big guns. But in right. this version, when they confront Superman... Batman's kind of MIA, and I don't know why. And then when he finally does show up, he doesn't really, like, fight Superman. He just kind of stands there, like, sorry, like a 
Batman can't find Superman without say, part time. Well, say words. <laughs> Which I understand, but you know, he he can and he can hold he can hold up a little bit, but I'm I'm not gonna have this argument with you. <laughs> I no, I you love Superman. Feel like, I mean, Superman you should watch BBS again. <laughs> Superman to me I I definitely believe that Superman is more awesome than Batman. I've always felt that way in the Superman versus Batman thing. I always go Superman. But that's not what the argument is today. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't know how I feel about her just showing up. Um, because yeah. the way that editing was with her scene, like, walking down the street, and then we're, like, back to the Justice League, and then we see another shot of her, and then back to the Justice League, and then she sees him in the sky, and then we're like, oh, okay. That's why she's just gonna stumble upon it. I kind of think I like the other way better, where Batman calls her in. Right. So, this might be another detail that you might have missed, but <laughs> she doesn't just stumble upon it. Um, the point of her uh, in the movie where she remember when she gets to go go get coffee in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. and she's going to that memorial and she's giving coffee to the cop and the cop's like oh you're here again today she goes to this place every day so right. it's literally I definitely, like a place I got that development um with her you know finally getting to a point where she can let go and move on um yeah. so I I got that it just surprised me to have a shot of her in the middle of the Justice League getting the cube, uh, getting Superman ready to come back. And yeah, and that was because she goes, like, where they end up fighting, she was just there, like, 10 minutes earlier. Um, which is why she goes there and she says, just this one last time. Because um, he's like, oh, I didn't know you were coming today. And she said, just this one last time. Because now she's ready to move on, which is supposed to be like the irony of it. She's ready to move on. She goes there. And when she's there, the Justice League are in the Kryptonian ship about to bring him back, bring Clark back to life. So she leaves. And when Clark comes back and they hear the huge explosion, she's like maybe a couple of blocks down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not actually that far. But so I feel like story-wise, it makes sense. But I can definitely understand how, at that point, it comes to an aesthetic type thing. Do you do you prefer her being a part of Batman's plan, which does make Batman seem like a little bit more prepared for um, a worst case scenario, or do you like prefer this kind of idea that she was ready to move on, and right when she's ready to move on, she sees the object that she was ready to move on from? Exactly. Yeah. I honestly, I I'm not really hundred percent sure which way I like it better. I, f- I feel like they both have their pros and cons for that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I do have to say, though, with that, that scene with um, with Lois and Martha, who turns out to be Jean Jones <laughs> for one scene, I don't know why Jean Jones had to be Martha, because that's exactly how Martha would have been anyway. And it's literally the only time we see John Jones, which, you know, it's, it's cool to see him, but I don't think that was necessary at all. It's pure fan service, and I put that in my notes, too, because I was like, wait a second, why does why does he have a stake in Lois? And I was like, maybe, I maybe, so that actor that plays John Jones is in Man of Steel. So, just to be clear, this isn't the first time we're seeing him, but my question was, 
I don't remember him having such a close relationship with Lois to the point that he'd be worried about her. But even if he did, there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to show up as himself if he did have a close enough relationship with Lois to talk to her, unless he felt like the only person Lois was going to listen to was Martha. So that one is a little bit more rough um, for me, but I did enjoy seeing the cameo because there are seven members of the Justice League. And so it's like, oh, there's the seventh member since they don't have Green Lantern. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up real quick that I that I did like in this movie, but this is part of the movie as a kind of a, a part of a greater whole, is I like Batman's progression. I like that this movie is kind of the cap on Batman's arc to return to a place of faith because in BVS, he is beaten down, depressed, and cynical. And he, through the course of meeting Superman and fighting Superman, because Batman is intended to be the, the villain in Batman versus Superman. And it's intended to be Superman saving Batman and bringing him back to the light. So that arc kind of begins in Batman versus Superman, but it culminates all into, by the end of this movie where he gets on the jet and he looks at Alfred and says, faith, Alfred, it's all about faith. That is Batman going full circle and now becoming the Batman that he needs to be. Uh, once again. So I liked I liked that that arc exists. Right. Yeah, it definitely plays into the whole concept of this movie being part of a bigger thing as opposed to the other movie which is more of a standalone. Cuz I definitely feel like there was a lot of uh it was it was kind of like Batman trying to find a team because he is worried something might happen which will as opposed to the Whedon version where Batman's trying to get a team together because something is happening and he needs help right yeah right and there's definitely a lot less time spent in the Snyder version mourning Superman and fighting about Superman and it was yes. more about the actual characters who are there, and he just shows up in, like, the last hour, I think? Barely. It's, like, the last 40 minutes of the movie or something like that. As far as, like, showing up to actually fight. Maybe it was in the last hour. He comes alive with, like, an hour and a half left in the movie or something. Um, but he spends most of the movie dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing up Superman, one scene that I did like, but... It's another. It's like this game. This movie is a lot of mixed bags, and I overall like it. But we can talk about the things that are issues as well. Um, when Superman enters his ship again, and they're playing the Superman theme, and he's walking and he's seeing all of his suits, but he's hearing his father's speak to him, and it's all to mirror the Man of Steel scene when he first learned how to fly. Like I think that scene is generally great. It's really strong and emotional. And I love the fact that he's like hearing both of his dads basically telling him about like how he can be a hero and making it so that you can get ready to fly again. The thing I don't understand is why he chooses the black suit over the the one that's more colorful. Because the black suit is, it feels like more of a statement of I'm not that person anymore and I'm gonna be, and I'm gonna be different, I'm gonna be something else. But with the music and everything that they're playing, it makes it feel like I am that symbol and I'm going to be that symbol again. So realistically, it makes sense that he would pick the colorful outfit to represent the thing that he always stood for. And the only reason that black suit is there is because 
it's fan service. And in the story, he was put in that suit to recover. It was a recovery suit. So that's why it existed. So in the context of this movie, though, I don't understand why he chooses that suit. But I generally like that scene. Um, it's because he didn't get to his get to go to his uh, own funeral. Now, I don't know. Uh, I definitely think that there was some importance for it. I just don't know what it is. Um, I think we're, we'd have to do a little bit of research on that one. <laughs> or maybe someone yeah. in our audience knows why um, he chose the black suit. But I think that is def- there's definitely some kind of purpose behind it. Yeah, and like I see in the chat now, they're saying that it's supposed to be a red herring that he might be different or and of things to come. Or not a red herring, but maybe just a general like bad omen. Um, especially when you like have Batman saying that I heard I had this dream, um, and Lois was the key, and he says I think it means something else, something darker, which is intended to imply that when Lois dies, that she's the key to why Superman turns evil, but. That could also be the anti-life equation, which we can talk about briefly later. Um, but the last uh, two things I wanted to bring up that I liked and that I enjoyed in the movie. So I like the Flash scene at the end for two reasons. I like the fact that they lose. Um, same way like Infinity War. I like the fact that the heroes end up actually losing and Barry has to basically fix fix the loss. I wish they kind of made it more apparent that everyone had died, because at first I wasn't sure what had happened. Um, But I liked the fact that they aren't successful, and it's up to Barry to essentially save the day and then pass it off to to Vic to finish off off the, the boxes. And that teamwork and that and people getting different people getting different moments to shine is really cool. And I love the music that played in that Barry Allen scene, which leads me to the fact that while I don't think the score of this movie is absolutely phenomenal, I enjoy it a lot. And in comparison to the Whedon cut, I enjoy the score a lot more here because there's actual themes for characters. Yeah, I I definitely agree with all of that, Uh, especially with, I kind of felt like Wonder Woman got a new theme but also got to keep the old one which I thought stood out to me the most out of all the music in this movie hers definitely just I couldn't not notice it um yeah. I, I don't think that the score was particularly strong but I do think that you're right in that it's better than the Whedon version yeah. um I also wanted to say that I like the ending a lot more uh, for same reasons as you but also because I feel like it's not just like Superman comes and beats him up and that's it. They they actually all work together as a team, which is awesome. And there's this one shot where Batman is like in the Batmobile and they're all like running beside him. And there's that one, if ever a time for a slow-mo shot, <laughs> that was the right one. <laughs> Also Slow it the, down so we can see this poster. Right. Also, also the sesame seed um, from the the burger that the truck driver was trying to reach in Barry Allen's <laughs> character oh. scenes. <laughs> there right. was this slow mo close up of a sesame seed. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why that was there, but okay. Um, 
but yeah, I do I do feel like the ending was a lot stronger um, than the rest of the movie. I think that's when it really started to pick up for me was that last hour and a half or so. Or last yeah. hour of the movie before the epilogue is when things really started to pick up for me. Everything else before that was just kind of like, oh, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about that. And now let me tell you a story. And they even tell you, like, um, Cyborg actually says it's a long story and then and i was like oh here we go <laughs> and then he actually tells it and that story was interesting but there yeah. was also a lot of like history lessons that we got from like wonder woman and stuff like that they were just very long <laughs> very long yeah they they, they exist just so that you, they could it's world build, world building. They're trying to build the world, but I can understand. I can definitely like uh, feel that. I um, I like the conclusion for Steppenwolf's story in this one more so than the Whedon cut um, because in the Whedon cut it feels very arbitrary. He's basically like he gets his axe cut by Wonder Woman, and then once his axe breaks, he has fear, and then all the, all the parademons look at him, and then and then Aquaman's like, "Oh, you smell that fear," and then all the parademons swarm. Um, Steppenwolf and then he gets taken up into a boom tube. It doesn't make much sense. It's a, it's a, actually a very weak ending. But this ending feels like a statement because you have um, Darkseid like looking through the boom tube. And once again, it's a mixed bag. It's like he's there, but why doesn't step? Why doesn't Darkseid just step through the boom tube himself? But um, you have Darkseid watching from the boom tube, and you have Steppenwolf like basically gets impaled by Aquaman and then thrown back at well and then hit by Superman to get thrown back into the boom tube, like sending him home. But almost but before you can fully send him home, you have Wonder Woman cut his head off and then it goes through the boom tube and lands at Darkseid's feet. That feels like a power that feels like a cool statement of don't mess with Earth. And and then they sit there and they look at Darkseid before the boom tube closes. And at that point, Bernard side's like, all right, we need to go so I can get the anti-life equation. And that's the whole reason why the anti-life equation is brought up in this movie, because it's something that Darkseid literally says he's been crushing worlds to look for, and now he knows that it's here. So he has a reason to come back more so than just the fact that this one world stopped one of his generals that he barely liked. Um, so I enjoyed that ending to Steppenwolf more than the original cut. Well, so one of the the i think it was the first scene or one of the first scenes is when steppenwolf is um talking to forget his name but uh yeah that guy <laughs> he actually tells him that there's no one on earth to protect anyone like there's no one there there's no green lantern there's no uh kryptonians to protect earth and then they're all like, I mean, there's no Green Lantern, but there is a team there. And I think the irony in that is that there actually is a team there to protect Earth. Yeah. What I didn't particularly like is that our heroes killed someone. Yeah. Usually heroes you don't see that. <laughs> but then again, it's also DC. I don't know. I, I had I had sort of mixed it's feelings. Like Marvel girl. <laughs> <laughs> Right. The only person that doesn't... There's only two people in DC that... Uh, not necessarily, but there are two main people in DC that don't kill people. And that is... Um, Superman. That is Superman and Batman. Yeah. Wonder Woman's a warrior. Even in the comic books, she kills people. She has no problem killing people. She actually um, snaps a dude... She snaps a dude's neck. You know that guy 
in Wonder Woman 84, the villain in Wonder Woman 84 that is like giving wishes, that same character in the Wonder Woman comic book is killed by Wonder Woman when she snaps his neck. Wonder Woman's a warrior. She always has been. Okay. And so, like, yeah, so she kills. Aquaman has no problem with killing. Mira has no problem with killing. By the way, cool, cool, awesome shot in the movie where Mira literally was pulling the water out of Steppenwolf's body while, <laughs> while they, while he was invading Atlantis to for the, um, for the mother box. That was that was pretty cool. He was like, oh no, I can't handle this, and threw the, and threw her away. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and seeing seeing our heroes kill or seeing Wonder Woman specifically kill doesn't bother me because. It's kind of what happens, and if you watch the animated DC movies, that that kind of stuff happens all the time. Like, go and watch uh, Just League Apocalypse War. It's all over that movie. But when you're used to a certain way that your heroes behave, I can see why it would throw you for a loop. What I would add, what I would say is just focus on who's actually doing it and see if that makes sense. Because it doesn't make as much sense for Superman to do it as it would for Wonder Woman. Gotcha. I mean, they don't really portray Wonder Woman in her movies that way so it was a little surprising to me yeah except, well, except in the first movie though she was in war i had to watch it like i had to watch everything again <laughs> <laughs> she literally knees a guy through a building <laughs> that guy was not getting back up. <laughs> oh man but yeah, um, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you was, as far as the inclusion of Darkseid, the anti-life equation, those elements, which would be more sequel-baiting elements, um, I enjoyed them um, because I, to me they added to the story, but how did you feel about seeing those, um, those inclusions? There was a lot of stuff, and I think that it kind of overwhelmed me a little bit because I wasn't expecting there to be such a long explanation and so much intricate detail to to deal to go with the mother box and the villain. Because remember, I was going yeah. from just Steppenwolf, and now there's like this whole gang, and there's Dark Side, and there's all this other stuff, and and I I just wasn't expecting all of that. Um, I think it's cool that it's all there, and that there's like. A lot of stuff that can be explored for DC in the DC universe for more movies to be made. Um, it was just a lot. There, there was a lot of stuff in this movie. This four hours of stuff. It was just all, in general, a lot. So I felt very overwhelmed. But, um, yeah. but also, you know, if you, like, I, I think I've said this before. <laughs> if you just pay attention to all the little things, all the details. It's nice to have all of it. It's just a lot of stuff. Right. And so to the um, the future stuff that's, you know, at the end of the movie with Joker and Batman and that whole, like, timeline stuff, the stuff that exists just because it's like, hey, this is what we could have done. Um, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, realistically, I don't think they needed to be a part of the movie, but it's... It is just because they're not going to be able to do anything else with it. Um, how did you feel about that stuff? Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I I just feel like it was even more stuff. 
It was just a lot. It it, it makes yeah. me curious. It's like Lord of the Rings, you get three endings. But it's not even that. I, I feel like there was an ending to this movie. It, it's just that there was like, you know, there's an epilogue and there's a prelogue and there's, you know, it, it feels a lot like we got Infinity Wars and Endgame all in one movie without the supporting movies. That's yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah. I feel like it might have helped a little bit to watch Man of Steel and uh, BVS again before going into this movie. But at the same time, I do understand that there is there's definitely a lot in this movie, and I feel like there's more in this movie, particularly in the last 30 minutes, or, like, or I guess last 20 minutes if you're not including credits, um, that only exists because of the fact that there won't be any more to this universe. Because... I suspect that Snyder would have done something where he had the future timeline and the pet oh, and the present timeline playing out at the same time for us to see both so that when we eventually get to the moment the moment when the futures diverge and they change the future and stop Superman from becoming evil but sadly that will never happen or Superman being controlled by the anti-life equation like that part is like made unclear it's not clear if he like joins dark side because lois dies or he joins dark side because he becomes more susceptible to the anti-life equation either way it's not going to happen and it doesn't matter and most casual moviegoers don't even know what the anti-life equation is or what it does i don't know so. what it is i do know that there are multiple um earths like alternate dimensions i don't yeah but I think because I love Superman so much, I don't want to see him be evil, and it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, no, and if, yeah, I know for certain Superman fans probably feel like they haven't gotten to see really Superman really be Superman, um, unfortunately, in in these movies, and I, that that's a fair argument, but. We're running up on time here. We're over half an hour, um, and since we've been had, since we had another part before this, we've been talking about this movie for almost an hour. Is there anything else that you wanted to, any burning desires that you wanted to say before we cut the recording and go and go back to our Twitch? No, I think I got it all off my chest. <laughs> all right, it's cool, and I feel the same. So, what do you guys think about? Uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Did you like it? Um, whatever you thought below, excuse me, whatever you thought, comment below and let us know. And while you're down there, if you give us a like, share, subscribe, we'd love to hear from you guys and to hear what your own thoughts on the movies were and even like the future of like the, the Snyderverse, as it's being called. Will they keep making more movies based in this universe or are they just going to scrap it and this is just a preview of what could have been? Either way, whatever you do, I have been Chris and this has been... Cheryl, and we will see you all next time. Cool. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I agree, Straker. You see him, like, holding uh, her skeleton, and you're led to believe, like, that is the reason he becomes evil. But at the same time, it's like, unless it was Batman that killed Lois... There is no real reason for him to join Darkseid, especially since it's a scorched skeleton. You're led, you're led to believe that she was killed by an Omega Beam. And so if she was killed by an Omega Beam, Superman has every... He should have rage towards Darkseid and do everything he can to kill Darkseid. So if he doesn't... If he's not doing that, it's probably because the death of Lois led him to be susceptible to the anti-life equation. 
So, Strackman, um, are you saying that I could be a drinking game? <laughs> or our show could yeah, be sure. a drinking game? Every time you say four hours. <laughs> Can you can you also, record yourself watching our episodes whilst doing this drinking game? <laughs> right. Um, I like, and he also I, he also pointed out a good point. Thanos killed. I mean, Thanos was killed by Iron Man as well as all of Thanos's legions. That's true. <laughs> also, first move, first Iron Man movie. Um, he shot his he shot one of his enemies with a rocket launcher and said, "Get back from, get get back up from that, you son of a bitch." Right, but you know, remember I I told you that I I'm not even really into the Avengers, so I don't care what they do. True. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I personally like DC more as a whole. Like mm-hmm, if same. if if Marvel didn't have X Men and Spider Man, I probably wouldn't pay attention to them that much. I mean, it, the so. only thing is that they made the superhero movies first, so. Well, well I mean, the not universe. first, but they made yeah, like this whole connected universe first yeah exactly i mean and to be fair we have blade to think to thank for like the resurgence of um superhero films in the early 2000s that was the first kind of marvel character that was like made in a big budget movie which could lead to the movies like daredevil and x-men and so on and so forth so in a way marvel did kind of popularize it even though we had the batman and superman films before that um they were different there was a different it was a different era and then it was blade that kind of rebirthed that era um so yeah (laughs) um i didn't know that there was a superman and lois show um i was watching the not that great cw shows with uh i think it was flash Supergirl, Arrow, and um, the Legends of Tomorrow, and I think now they have Batgirl, and I heard that there's also a they're making a Superman one. I don't know if that's the one that you're talking about, but that's the one he's talking about. Okay, yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I've been meaning to go back to it, and I have an explanation for this, which is that I have to watch them in release order because they often have crossovers and things that happen in one show can affect things that happen in the other show like flashpoint happened and changed um the the daughter of barry and iris no not barry and iris um Um, diggle yeah diggle diggle um his uh i think his son his daughter became a son or his son became a daughter or something like that and like it, they don't even talk about it on the show because they don't know that Flashpoint happened and they, they find out later. But stuff like that, because if I don't watch it in order, I'll be like, why did that person... Why why is the son a daughter now? So, stuff like that, I have to watch in release order and because of that, it makes it hard for me to watch it regularly because I have to look up when they came out. Yeah, I, so I stopped at Arrow season, I want to say season six and Flash season four, and I haven't gone back and watched it, but there's been like a lot of events since then um, that I kind of want to see, but I don't necessarily want to sit through all those shows because unfortunately those shows just got really, they just got really bad for me. 
Um, Legends of Tomorrow was like the worst. Like, and I wanted to like that one the most, um, but that one just slowly got bad, like worse and worse. I think and I was I'm like, forgiving I I because I feel like I still have a good time watching it, even though they're not the greatest shows. But probably because I go into it with the mindset of knowing that it's kind of TV trash. That, and I like watching TV trash because then I don't have to think about anything or like. I don't have to appreciate anything. I can just like enjoy the trash, and you know, it's kind of like eating junk food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't think, just eat it. Don't think about it, and <laughs> enjoy your day. <laughs> For sure. Now, I think that uh, Straker Man brought up um, the Lois um, and Clark, or the Clark and Lois show, because it's a way for you to still em- enjoy your Superman if you want it. If you want it to. I will. Don't worry, I will one day. <laughs> so when I'm but done I mean, with my Sabrina the Teenage Witch marathon, <laughs> not the new one, the old marathon. one, the Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah, the old one, <laughs> Joan Hart. Yeah, no, I figured because the other because the the new one isn't called Sabrina the Teenage Witch; it's just called Sabrina because it's. Oh, ancient. okay, yeah. See, I heard that was scary, so I'm like, nope. Yeah. But, <laughs> I forgot I did want to mention um, or kind of ask you how you felt about the aspect ratio. Oh, wow. I'm surprised we didn't get to talk about that. I know. I don't know what the point is. I I really don't. Like, no matter how much I think about it, I don't see how an aspect ratio of 4-3 is in compliance with your vision. I really don't see. It's not like this movie takes place in the 90s or something like that. Exactly. So. I was like, I, it I makes sense understand. for like WandaVision where like things are actually like a TV show in the show. So, and, and yeah. so that, that kind of stuff, like that would make sense to me. But for this movie, I don't see the point. The only thing I can think of is for framing, but also like I, I just felt very claustrophobic at the beginning. And, like, I guess as the movie went on, I kind of got more used to it. But I... Man, we're even widescreen right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, look, I, I literally watched it on two big TVs. I watched it on a TV in my room, which is pretty large. And I watched it on the TV in the living room, which is larger. Uh, so it didn't get as annoying for me. But if you're watching this on a small TV or a laptop, it I, I feel like that'd be awful. I feel like that would just completely ruin your experience of the movie, or at least add to it. I mean, add I was to, like, I was projecting it on a wall, so it was really big, probably bigger than. Um, well, it's definitely bigger than anybody's TV. So, but it still felt claustrophobic to me because, like, you know, it's it's kind of like you you in a widescreen you have the top and bottom, uh, black bars, but on on the four three it's on the side and like. I haven't seen anything like that since Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> oh, Avatar The Last Airbender, the last really? Last Airbender. Well, I mean, I don't watch, like, anything from back then, really. Well, now I'm watching Sabrina, but still, like, <clears throat> that's some 90s business there. It's, like, almost like yeah. down- downgrading what technology. I guess is a right. is a way to say it. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, another critique that I have um, is the the amounts that the movie feels real. 
obviously a lot of this movie was shot on green screen and you can feel it mm-hmm. um i think that's really unfortunate because man of steel felt very real when you watch that movie even though you're dealing with superpowered beings it feels like it re- exists in our own reality um even B- even bvs uh up to a point but um when you get to this movie like certain parts on Themyscira, the the one that, the shot that stands out to me the most is when Hippolyta, um, uh, Wonder Woman's mom, is riding on the horse and the sun's behind her in the background and she's just kind of like riding to like catch up with Steppenwolf and save her sisters. Um, it looks it looks it looks fake and it looks it looks weird and you can tell. And I feel like the movie works best when it feels like the place they're fighting in actually exists versus like you being able to tell that it's on the screen screen mm-hmm. yeah i definitely feel like it looked that that scene in particular looked better to me in the weed version but i don't know if it had to do with the fact that i felt the haste yeah yeah maybe um so yeah like, that's another thing but in, in general like while I hate, there's a lot of things I don't like um, within the movie, the movie itself, I enjoyed. And I would want to see more. I'd want to see these characters more. Like um, the stinger at the end where Deathstroke gives, um, is given Bruce Wayne's name by Lex Luthor. It was an interesting development that I was like, I would love to see this in a Batman film. I want to see a Batman movie where Deathstroke knows who who Batman is and is spinning the movie basically trying to get at him. That sounds cool to me, but we're never going to get that film. Yeah. Are we really never? You said what? No one's going to pick this up because they're doing a Flash movie. I mean, it's hard to to believe that DC is going to discontinue making films. I feel oh, like. Oh no, they'll probably. Hmm? I was going to say, like, I, I guess Marvel has the advantage of already having built an empire and the fact that they're owned by Disney, which is basically another empire. DC doesn't have yeah. as many resources, but they have so much potential. Yeah, I don't think. I think, I think they'll still make movies, but I don't think they'll make any more movies in this universe. Like. They might use a Flash movie and that, that'll that act as, like, their own Flashpoint. Because the movie is Flashpoint. So it'll probably reset everything anyway. And then they can, like, cast new actors and stuff like that. But I don't think they're going to be doing as many universe movies anymore. I feel like they're going to be leaning more towards the standalone films like they used to in the past. Disappointing. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I want to. There's so many. There's so many characters I want to see. Like I want to see Black Canary. Um, like I mean, she was in um, Birds of Prey, but I want to see her within the context of this universe. I want to see characters like Blue Beetle or the Question or or the Teen Titans, like Raven. You know, one of my favorite characters is Dick Grayson, and as a fan, I've gotten two and a half movies with Dick Grayson in them, like. You get the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, and then you get Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing not Dick Grayson, but nickname is Robin that you don't find out until the end of The Dark Knight Rises, and it's just dumb. But I don't—I haven't gotten to see my like 
I haven't gotten to see Nightwing in live action on film um, and movies ever. Um, HBO has the show Titans that Dick Grayson is like basically the main character. That yeah, I know. I haven't. Seen I, I watched like yeah, the first watched, few. I'll probably watch it soon, but I heard it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, just but watch it, TV trash and have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just one of those things where it's like I would just like to see our. I want to see the um, these characters make it on the big screen. I'm so tired of doing Batman origin stories or doing stories just about Batman mm-hmm. when he has. He has other parts of his like lore that are interesting. Like it would be kind of cool to see a um, a death of the family play out uh, in live action, or just even make new original stories. It's all right for you to just start a Batman movie and he's already Batman with a Robin or with Nightwing or with Batgirl. Mm-hmm. But we just keep getting Batman movies, and I'm over it because there's so many other characters within that universe that I like. I'd even see. You probably don't know what this is, but there's. I'd like to see a Battle for the Cow live-action film, which is basically a film of um, a story about how Batman dies, and the entire story is about taking up the mantle of Batman and essentially Dick Grayson becoming Batman. And like, I'd even take a story like that, but we'll never get that in live-action. And that's one. I think that's one of the reasons I like Justice League so much is because it feels like an animated movie storyline that we'll never get again in live action. I think that's part of why I enjoy the the not-that-great CW shows, because they opened up the possibilities and they keep expanding on it. So it's kind of like my version of the, the DC universe that we have in film form for the Marvel universe. It exists, but it's in a TV show, and be it a bad TV show, it ex- it still exists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I uh, see uh, the Adam reference. Yes, like it got the yeah Ryan Choi or Ryan Cho. Was it? I said, oh yeah, it is Ryan Choi. There you go. I got confused because your last name is Choi, and I was like, wait, am I mixing it up? <laughs> but yes, the uh, the scientist that. Um, that takes over for Silas at the end of the movie. Um, he that guy becomes the Adam. Oh, I thought his name is Ray. Uh, oh, you're talking about Ray Palmer. Yeah, isn't he? Oh, the there's, Adam? there's more than one Adam. Oh, just kind of like well, the, of course there is. Like there's more than one couple of heroes. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm just going along with what everyone else says, and everyone else says that the CW shows aren't that great. I I'm enjoying them so or I enjoy them at least even though I'm not really watching them right now so maybe we can just like stand together and tell everyone else to shut up then <laughs> oh, <man. Yes. laughs> oh no people only call me Choi when they're angry straight <laughs> yep. man's getting it uh, shut up, Straker. You up here mixing up your you up here mixing up your like small people. I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so I did want to point one thing out. Maybe you can explain it to me. Uh, so remember in the movie when um, when 
it was like a spider tank and it was like climbing up the wall and then yeah. cyborg gets it to work and then ever like they already kind of like won the battle is over and the the thing is flooded and they're climbing up the wall and then all of a sudden cyborg just leaves and then no one questions it and then he just reappears again later in the next scene with the cube yeah so in the whedon version he says uh something about like oh the cube and so then he goes to get it and then he shows up at the cube and then it explains all that stuff so i'm like oh okay connecting tissue thank you um do you have an explanation for why that's supposed to make sense in the snyder version um not particularly i mean i think the intention is just that all right we just won that fight but the enemy left. I don't have time to explain to you guys and tell you guys what I'm doing. I'm just gonna go and do it because I need to get this just in case so that I I can get it before Steppenwolf does. But it's the Snyder Cut. He has four hours of explaining and taking forever to explain everything. Maybe if he spent less time with the Amazonians trying to take the cube out of that building, and put it towards Cyborg just having, like, one sentence saying, be right back. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he could have said be right back, but it doesn't tell you what he's going to do until he comes back anyway. He didn't even tell them in the other movie, but he told us, so we know we got, like, what he was going to do, and, like, the next scene made more sense for why he just showing up with the cube. I mean, I guess yeah. we do. We already know that he has the cube, but he didn't say anything. Like, he just, like left and that was weird no you're right it doesn't it definitely feels awkward in the moment because i remember even thinking to myself huh so we're just we're just gonna leave huh okay and then yeah. you see him in the next scene and then i was like oh okay i see you went to go get the cube and i don't know there like, was also I, another well i mean I'll, I'll tell you about that after go ahead finish your thought oh no i was just gonna say i'm of the mind where i don't think everything needs an explanation um, in film, as long as you can get what's happening or get the intention. So even if something happens in one moment that you'll come to understand later, I think that that can still work. Um, and I actually think that over explaining can definitely, or, or being too concerned with making sure that your audience gets everything at every single moment can actually hurt your film more so than help it. But you should tell that. So to yeah, so I don't know how I feel about that in a row. What's up? You should tell that to Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so I don't know how I feel about that scene where he just leaves overall because in the next scene, <laughs> which is like literally like a minute or two minutes later, you 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 get it. So sorry, I just read the work. comment and everyone has to take another shot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the other uh the other thing that i felt uh a missing piece of connecting tissue that was not really a huge huge deal but it was when um aquaman uh is with mira and then he leaves and then the next time we see him is in that scene uh, where yeah. he like stops the water and like kind of saves them and then he has a trident and he has the armor and everything so there was that piece of connecting tissue that was in the Whedon version where he says I'm gonna need one me. more thing or I'm gonna need one thing 
and and yeah. then the next time you see him, he has the armor. So that worked for me. It wasn't in the Snyder version, and it didn't work for me. Um, my boyfriend even said, like, oh, when did he get that? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I agree with you on that so much that I was like, did they just not film it? Because they make a big deal with Volko telling him to take up your mom's trident. And so it feels kind of weird that we don't see that moment when he makes the choice to actually do it. Because when he leaves Mira, he leaves Mira with this kind And it feels like he's basically saying, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. Exactly. It doesn't feel like he's leaving and saying, like, I will take up my mother's... I will become the person my mother... I will, be the, I will do what my mother would have done. You don't get that from... Like, he doesn't even have this, like, kind of hesitation where you kind of, like... Where you feel like what has just been said to him really lands. It just kind of feels like yeah, fuck you. And then he goes into the water and disappears. So that was jarring for me too. Um, and I don't know why we don't see a moment of, like the hero moment for him where he decides, you know what, I am going to, I am going to fight. I will help them. Mm -hmm. So that does feel like it's still missing even from this four hour movie, as you would say. I almost wish there was a scene where he actually picks them up and puts them on. That would have been... Cool. I don't know where I would put it in for the flow yeah. of Aquaman's story, but I didn't really enjoy the flow for Aquaman's story because it was so botched. It was like all over the place. Like it was like you get a piece here, and then a whole bunch of other stuff happens with other people, and then you get another piece, and it, it was a, a little bit like that with Cyborg's story too. But his was more. Um, I I felt like the beginning half was still kind of like too choppy for me but as the movie went on and we learned more and more about cyborg i felt like i was getting information about him at the correct pace just not yeah. at the beginning i think i just really didn't like the first hour of the snyder cut because it was all over the place <laughs> all over the place for me yeah no i can understand that i i enjoyed um the beginning um but yeah like one of the elements i like the most that i think is the strong strongest element of this film is cyborg's inclusion like i was talking to my roommate about why um it makes sense for cyborg to be here because based on the story structure he has the largest stake in the story uh he can speak with the mother boxes he the mother box was used to create him and this story is built around the mother boxes so you need him because in actuality, the whole point is the, of a team up is that if you take away any of the pieces of the team, then it doesn't work. And with Cyborg, he literally is the only one that can solve the problem of the movie. But he cannot solve the problem of the movie without Flash. And Flash, at least in this version, cannot solve the problem of the movie of Steppenwolf, which is why you need uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, and then eventually Superman. And none of this would be possible if it wasn't for Batman bringing these people together. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, I like, I like the fact that the movie took the time to actually consider what everybody brought to the table. Yeah, everyone was more important and more powerful. Everyone had a role, as opposed to the Whedon version where everyone just had a moment to shine. So, um, but again, he had more, more space. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that's why I feel it's just too hard to compare them because I feel like they're not, 
necessarily comparable despite the nature of the footage (laughs) (laughs) they are two different movies they they absolutely are which is why even when we start our segment i made i'm like saying look just because you've seen justice league does not mean you've seen this movie (laughs) exactly yeah they're they're so different um but yeah i i just had some problems with the editing i guess is is the best way to put it just yeah no (laughs) i i like that um what else in these notes You gotta give him sideboard more clarity. Establishing yeah. shots. There were so many establishing shots. If he cut out all the establishing shots, or maybe just kept one or two from like some scenes, one per scene maximum, but not all of them need it. I think for that one, the the one that was the most annoying was uh wonder woman's intro first of all like we didn't even need all of that because we already know who she is and he spent so much time on introducing wonder woman that we like she already had a movie and and another movie but um but even like just having one like she already had a movie we already know who she is we already know what she does and that whole scene had nothing to contribute to the conf- the main conflict in the movie. I would understand if like those dudes had something to do with Steppenwolf and whatever conflict is about to happen for the rest of the movie. But that scene was so long for just showing us who Wonder Woman is and and like what she does and having five establishing shots of the bad guys that don't matter drive up to a building that we don't know despite the establish- establishing shots. We still don't know what that building is or, like, like you know, why even? <laughs> Damn, Cheryl. Um, but you're right. It didn't bother don't... you? It bothered me so much. It didn't bother me because it was a cool action set piece and I like seeing Wonder Woman in her element. I think the point of that is to show that Wonder Woman is active now. The because the point shots. is, huh? <laughs> the establishing shots. Oh, I mean, I'm talking about the scene. You took <laughs> I'm the scene talking notes, about so. the establishing um, shots. No, I like that. I like the scene. I think it was too long, but I like the scene. Yeah, I mean, and the purpose of the scene in the context of the movie is that even though those characters aren't connected to Steppenwolf, the purpose is to show that Wonder Woman is being active as a hero now. Because in BVS, the whole point was that she wasn't. She was hi- she was in hiding, and she removed herself from the world. But since the end and death of Superman and meeting Batman, she is actively being a superhero. So as of right now, within the world, there are only two heroes that are really active, and that's Superman. Excuse me, that's Wonder Woman and Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason that scene exists. As far as the establishing shots, I mean, you need one to show that we're in London, and then after that, yeah, maybe you don't need to show the building too. But like. The establishing shot of, of London also was to show that London has, like, that giant, like, Superman flag. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you go back and count it. Um, I think there were five, and you can tell me if you think they were all necessary. <laughs> Wait, say again? I, I said, I you can go more? back, watch it again, count how many establishing sh- shots there were, and if you think they were all necessary. I think you could, you know, if you guys want to drink, just drink. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use me as an excuse. <laughs> oh man. 
with the vote. And <laughs> I'm not better than the people in Gotham jumping to conclusions about those they don't know. Like, I did a mistake. Mistake? Drink is where I built a mistake. You fucked up. You <laughs> royally. You made the biggest fuck up of all time. I'm not. You're established. Now drinking beer. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't look at the chat for a while. I had to catch up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Poor Cheryl. Um, I'm done. I'm, I, we're, we're done. It's past eight. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's nothing else more that I think I. I brought up, yeah, everything that I had starred, I brought up. Um, the only thing I have here is spotty CGI. Like, there's certain parts of the CGI just kind of doesn't look as clean as it could as it could look. Mm-hmm. It it didn't always take me out of the movie, but there were times when I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I... Hmm. Oh, one thing I, I, don't... I, I noticed... Um that I thought was kind of cool and interesting, but maybe overused in a way, is that um, in Barry's, uh, in I guess, solo story, there's a car crash. And in Victor Stone's story, there's a car crash. <laughs> um, maybe more variety there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's all I could think about. Um, I did like this line by Batman where, um, and it also ties into the movie where Cyborg literally says, we need to, we need to keep the box on the move. We have to keep it out of Steppenwolf's hands. And Batman literally says, that's not a strategy to win. It's a strategy to lose more slowly. And which is exactly what happened with the Amazons. They tried to keep, they tried to keep the box on the move and that wasn't to win. And what happened? It just prolonged their loss. And they still lost in the end. So like, I, I like that tie-in of him basically saying, let's do the thing that someone in the, in the earlier part of the movie did. And it's like, yeah, no, let's not do that because that's not a strategy to win. It's a strategy to lose slowly. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like that line and I like that, like that tie-in to what actually already happened within the, the earlier parts of the movie. Right. Um, I think the only thing that, the only other thing that really bothered me was that there was a lot of exposition a lot of explaining mm-hmm. and it, it it definitely bothered me but i also couldn't really figure out i couldn't think of like how else do how else do they do that um like explain to each other what's happening i i i don't think you can get around that um even when i like if you go back and rewatch endgame I think you'd be surprised at how much of that movie is just talking. Mm-hmm. Like, Endgame is a great movie, but it's not as fun to watch as Infinity War. And if you think, and Endgame actually has like basically two and a half hours of talking, and the last hour of that movie is like is, is things actually happening. So it's it's hard with movies like this because. There is so much you have to discuss. You want to show character development, but then you also have information that you need your characters to know. And if one person knows it, they probably need to share it with the other characters because those other characters don't know. So it's uh, I think it's a challenge. I don't. The exposition didn't bother me in this movie because I felt like it was exposition that one we needed, and that it might have, and that I couldn't think of another way for us to get that information. But. It's one of my favorite movies is The Matrix, which is famous for having expedi- exposition dumps in the first 
hour and a half of the movie before you get to the last hour of the movie and realize, and then it becomes an action movie. Yeah, so. I mean, sometimes it definitely has to be done. But then there was also stuff where, like, um, like when Silas Stone dies, and then mm-hmm. right after he dies, everyone shows up, and they're like, what happened? And then Victor's like, my dad died. And then... <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why couldn't they just be there for it, like, right when it happened, but, like, wh- while it was too late for them to do anything, <laughs> so that because they don't Flash have to do that? <laughs> huh? Because Flash could have done something. Yeah, but he he could have been late to the party. Like, he, it would have been fine if, like, other people weren't there. I don't think everyone yeah, was it's... there. It was Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman, I think. No, all three of them were there. Like they keep doing this thing where all three of them are, all three of them are together, um, but like, cause, cause Flash wasn't knocked out, so unless Flash, like that's the thing about having powerful characters, which is a, a problem DC does have, you have to find way, and Marvel has this too actually, you have to find ways to limit um, those heroes because watching someone just be perfect or awesome the entire time isn't interesting. We talked about that with other movie like discussions, and so. Superman is dead throughout most of this movie because the moment he comes back, he can solve the problem. Exactly. And Flash is so strong. So what do you do? You basically make it so that um, you have to run around in a circle for like 20 minutes, building up a charge so that you can push me into the box. Because if you were actually fighting things, you would solve the problem. What do you do? You make it so that Flash, like can't fight Superman because Superman is the only one on Flash's level. So, or you knock him out because there's no real reason why Wonder Woman or Aquaman should be anywhere that Flash isn't since Flash is faster than both of them. Mm-hmm. So it's the problem with writing superheroes. You don't want to make them too strong. Yeah, I don't think I would have missed uh, Flash being there, but also, I, I don't know. I I think them just showing up a little bit late or like right when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Just to avoid having him say it cuz I I also feel like the last thing you want to say right after that happens is what it's happened. My father. Yeah. Yeah. No, you that's 100% right. Like that- he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to say it. He would have so exactly. much trouble saying. It. Yeah, like that to me was harder to buy than every like if everyone showed up there because I would be so distracted by what had just happened and how C- Cyborg is reacting to it, where like it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been like, wait a minute, why couldn't blah 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 blah? Because <laughs> yeah. it also needed it almost, to happen. So it almost would make more sense if this scene was happening while um, the Superman fight was happening so that you have like Superman basically dealing with certain people outside and you have Steppenwolf showing up while they're fighting Superman. So now Steppenwolf is about to get the box. So Cyborg has to leave. He's like, I can't fight Superman anyway. And he has to go and get the box. And maybe like Aquaman goes with him while Flash and Wonder Woman and Batman try to handle Superman. And now you have this moment where, and this might even, it might be even better that it's Aquaman because then when, um, when Silas dies and there's nothing that Cyborg or Aquaman can do to save him and maybe Aquaman is having to try to fight Steppenwolf after Cyborg gets knocked out, um, 
Cyborg doesn't have to worry about saying it, but Aquaman's seen it, so he can say it. And then when you get that scene later where he's like, how is he? And we're about to ask this kid who just lost his father to fight. It doesn't seem fair. Now, all of a sudden, there's a connection between Cyborg and Aquaman that makes that statement mean more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need to um, talk to Snyder, dude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what, I need, what I need to do is just hurry up and write my own stuff and get it out into the world, so... True. That's yeah. also true. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so it's getting late. I don't know if uh, Mr. Caboose is doing a stream tonight. No, we're not streaming tonight. We pushed uh, we pushed back that stream to a another day. But um, yeah, so tonight we're just going to call it. I'm going to go and eat and I'm going to relax for the remainder of the night. All right. Sounds good. Um, do we know what we're going to do next week? Well, whatever we do, we have to do two movies for an open discussion, I believe. We have a suggestion uh, from one of our viewers. I what, think was, it's, what was it? I think it's called what Irresistible. You said what? I think it's called Irresistible. Irresistible? My, Is it a horror movie or something? Um, let's see. I think our viewer is not here. It was suggested by Sorio. Okay. Because I also still have... There's a couple of movies that we still have on this list that I I wouldn't mind um, watching. Like... It's called um, Irresistible on HBO. Oh, that's right. She mentioned it. That's a television show, though. That's not a movie. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Um, okay, we can look through our list. Oh, wait. Don't we have Godzilla versus Kong this week? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think Godzilla versus Kong comes out this Friday on HBO Max. Oh, uh, I think that's what I was supposed to look up. Okay, so that and plus another movie. Yeah, so we'll, we'll definitely watch Godzilla. Yeah, we'll do Godzilla versus Kong, and then maybe for the other movie, we can do. <clears throat> you want to do like. What what kind of movie are you interested in doing? Do you want to do like another superhero film? Because there are like Batman Begins and Dark The Dark Knight are both on um, Netflix now, so we could talk about those movies, mm-hmm. or we could talk about one of these other movies that are a little bit newer that we haven't seen. Like, um, what was that movie that you like? Wally's like Wally's Wonderland, mm-hmm. um, or like you know a movie like that. Let's like kind of. What are you in the mood for? You want to step away from superheroes for a little bit or stay, let's, stay on? Uh, let's sidebar because our season is almost over um, on the recording or the streaming side. So um, let's discuss it so we can make sure we go out with a bang. Okay, that works. But we're definitely at least making one of our episodes or one of our discussions um, Godzilla versus Kong for next week. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for coming. Thanks for your comments. Um, comments. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I, catch, I have to keep catching up on my, chat. <laughs> my money's on Godzilla too because also lasers and <laughs> he's just, he's just better. <laughs> he's, he's like the <laughs> Superman of the monsters and 
King Kong is like Batman. <laughs> the other, like, <gasps> like more human guy than Super. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I... We're... We're we're both um, rooting for Godzilla in this next movie. So, but I know there's plenty of people out there that are rooting for King Kong. So, depending on what happens and if there is a real real winner, we'll either be very happy or very sad next week. I think they're gonna tie. They usually do, but they've been saying in like um, the promotional materials that there will be a clear winner. They're not gonna do the whole like stalemate thing that superhero movies usually do. They're just so saying we'll that so that we'll watch the movie. It's called marketing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Well, we'll see. I mean, you guys down in the chat, if you can, take some time to... It's a new movie. It's coming out. It'll be fun. If you want to, like, watch it and then come back and hang with us next week and talk to us about the movie, we'd really love it if you guys watched it with us. Um, and you don't have to watch both the movies that we're going to watch, but since Kong versus Godzilla is going to be a new movie, it'd be cool if you guys could, you know... Check it out, too. Watch it with us, and we can talk about it, get hype, talk about the things we loved, we hated. This was a very fun little conversation for us, so we really appreciate you guys, like, hanging with us and giving us your giving us your own feedback and re- reactions to the Snyder Cut uh, Justice League. And I'm not sure if it's really important, but there is another um, Godzilla movie and a, a King Kong movie, um, Skull Island, and what was the other one? King of the Beasts? Something like that? Um, God, uh, uh, King of the Monsters. Right. Something like that. Um, they're on so, HBO. Three <laughs> there's three? Yeah. Oh, I only saw there's three. There's three because there's, there's Skull Island, there's the first Godzilla movie, which is like the origin story, and then there's King of the Monsters, which is Godzilla 2. Huh. Okay. I'm not sure if I saw them all. I probably have, but I... It depends on when it came out. I probably already forgot. But anyway. It's the one um, Brian Cranston, if you remember that. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it's the one where, um, uh, I almost said Shinshiro Watanabe. Um, it's the one where um, Ken Watanabe says, let them fight. That's where that line comes from. It's from the first Godzilla movie. Oh. Okay, I need to watch it again. I need to find it and yeah. watch it, but yeah. People said it's boring. They said like it's a Godzilla movie where Godzilla's barely in it. I never saw it, or I saw parts of it. Um, and then I watched like King of the Monsters, and I was like, this movie's amazing. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see everyone next week. Thanks again for being here. And I have one yep. last thing to say, everyone, to everyone. Um, and that's four-hour movie. Everyone take a drink. All right, y'all have a good have a good rest of your week, guys. We'll see you next Monday. Cheryl, take us to the lobby. All right, see ya. Bye everyone. <laughs>